shall we pray? Father, we thank you for this opportunity. We thank you for this privilege to study your word. And we ask that may Christ alone be exalted in our midst. In the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. We are grateful to God for the gift of life, for the gift of the forgiveness of sins, and for this opportunity. We are continuing our study on who told you. And I believe we have been learning a lot, and I hope that we would really put these things into practice. Because indeed, the blessing comes in doing the work. This is the part five of our episode, Who Told You? And today we'll be looking at prophets. We'll be considering the topic prophets. What role do they have in we being able to hear the voice of God or we being able to receive from God? And our scripture, that will be our anchor scripture, will be Hebrews chapter 1, the verse 1, and the beginning part of the verse 2. It says, um, I'm using basic English version. On many occasions and in different ways, God spoke to our, our fathers through the prophet. Let me use the King James since that sounds a bit familiar. God, who in sundry times and in diverse manners speak in time past unto the fathers by the prophet, has in this last day spoken unto us by his son, whom he has appointed heir over all things, by whom he also made the world. So this is our scripture that we'll be looking at as we consider the topic prophet. But before I start, mostly I give a brief overview of what you are looking in, what you are looking into before everybody chips in with a contribution or question. But today we just want to have an idea of what people have about prophets and the role they play. Because we know from Hebrews, as we just read, that God spoke through diverse ways and in diverse times through prophets, but now he's speaking to us by Jesus. So it doesn't mean that prophets are no longer relevant or what role do they have to play. So before we get into it, I'll just like my friends to share briefly their general view they have about prophets and their role, if I should say. So we'll start with Bene. Can you share with us what is your opinion about prophets and what they do in this current dispensation? Okay, thank you very much. I would like to share about what God communicates to us through prophets. The first episode of the series, we learned about the characteristics of the voice of God. And we learned that one of the characteristics is that God's voice gives instruction unto righteousness. I would say in our day, most of the times when we hear or when we think about prophets, and let's say in church, when we are told that there will be a prophetic service or administration. Most of us, we have the notion or the mentality that the prophet is about to tell us about what God has for us for our future. And that's why some of us, we have the joy and assurance that God will come and tell us that you are favored, you be a prophet, you be a this, you be a very important person. But one thing I would like to say is that prophets also exposes our sins and what we do, which are um, not pleasing to the sight of God. When we look at Second Samuel chapter 12, Nathan rebuked David. He came to him as a prophet and then narrated the story. And in the end, Nathan told David what he did wrong. So sometimes God speaks to us through prophets, not just to encourage us or tell us about our future 
and what he would like us to do in future. But then he speaks to prophets to warn us when we are going wrong and to expose our sins to us. Amen. Amen. So we will go to Abena. What is your idea about the role of prophets in our current dispensation? Okay, so from what I know, prophets are more of like messengers from God, like they convey messages from God to us. And sometimes what we do with these messages speaks of how effective these prophecies will get later in life. Because I've learned that sometimes when you get some of these prophecies, you shouldn't just sit on it and not work on yourself. So let's say God tells you, you become a great businessman or something. And you sit on this prophecy and all you do is every day you're sitting in your room. You don't even bother to inquire about uh, businesses. You don't bother to read books about businesses or anything. You just sit in your room waiting and then God will make me a successful businessman. So I'm waiting and waiting and waiting. So I think when these messages get to us, it's a way or like a wake-up call for us to direct our paths to our lives one way or another and sometimes when you hear these prophecies too you should get a confirmation like from the holy spirit as we've already learned the other ways god speaks to us so even if you get these prophecies they should sit well with you and the holy spirit should minister to you for you to know that this is the way that is the way and all. thank you thank you god bless you so benji can you share with us anything Okay, so I'd like to talk to us about surely the roles of prophets. And when you study the Bible carefully, you realize that the role of prophets in the Old Testament is a bit different from what is in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, let's see, basically there were three major offices that the call of God comprised of. That's either you're a prophet, a priest, or a king. And then in the New Testament, it's a little bit different as we have a lot of offices. When we read Ephesians chapter 4, the Bible speaks about the fivefold ministry apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, and evangelists. So I would like to start with a verse from the book of Numbers, chapter 11, verse 29. I read, It said, And Moses said unto him, Envious thou for my sake, would God that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit upon them. I also move on to the book of Jeremiah, chapter 1, verse 5. And I read, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou camest forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee and I ordained thee a prophet to the nations. So the first thing I want to touch on is that Prophets are ordained by God. And I won't go further. Prophets are ordained by God. And then I would also like to read from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3. As I said earlier on, the prophetic rules of, let me say, prophets in the Old Testament is quite different from the New Testament. Though all of them are messengers of God. So first Corinthians chapter 14, verse 3 makes us understand. It says, But he that prophesied speaketh unto men to edification and exhortation and comfort. 
So one of the basic or the primary rules of prophets in our dispensation is that when the prophetic word comes, it should edify men, or let me say the church, it should exalt the church or men, and then it should speak comfort. Then finally, I would like to read from the book of Second Peter chapter 1, verse 21. It says, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of men, but holy men of God speak as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So I want us to also know and then acknowledge or recognize the role of the Holy Spirit in the issue of prophecy. It's very sad these days that young ministers like to term people who operate in the gift of word of knowledge as prophets. And if somebody is able to give one or two words of knowledge, the person ordains or the person thinks he or she is a prophet. And I think maybe Cezanne will touch on these issues, that there's a difference between people who operate in the word of knowledge, people who have the gift of prophecy, and people who have the office or stand in the office of a prophet. Amen. Amen. So the last person will be Baba. Okay, please. What I want to say is that prophecies reveal the mind of God concerning a whole country. So prophecies reveal the mind of God. Prophecies. So prophets speak what in the mind of God. Though believers, we all have been enabled prophesy into our lives and all that, but then certain people have been ordained as prophets, as Benji rightly said, according to Ephesians 4.11 downwards. So yeah, what I want to add is that prophecies reveal the mind of God. So for instance, maybe when you go to a hospital and then you tell your situation to the doctor and then he's able to tell you that, oh, within the next three months, if you don't do this, your 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 blood cells will become weak, this and that. And then if truly you don't do what the doctor said, maybe everything that he said might come to pass. That doesn't necessarily make the doctor a prophet. However, he's able to predict what's going to happen because of his field of specialization. But prophets, I believe, solely speak the mind of God concerning people's life situations or maybe a country as a whole. Yeah. Okay. God bless you all for your contribution. And I believe we have learned a lot. So now we want to look into our study. And we want to narrow down our topic to the our topic of prophet to our being able to hear from God. Because there's a lot to say about prophets and prophetism, if I should say. One thing that one of my friends said was about the spirit of prophecy, the gift of prophecy, and the office of a prophet. And I believe one day, God permit to look into spiritual gifts and go deep into these things. But just for um, introduction, if I should say, the spirit of a prophecy is not the same as, or it's different, if I should say, from the gift of prophecy and the office of a prophet. And it's important that we understand this because the person who is giving the prophecy, which category he belongs to, has a role to play in the, if I should say, the fulfillment of the prophecy. The spirit of prophecy is what actually every believer has access to. 
And you can even see that in the Old Testament, a time came when Saul had lost his donkeys and Samuel told him that if you get into a company of prophets, you begin to prophesy. And there he came and um, a saying that it's also the sole part of the prophet. So the spirit of prophecy is available to every believer. And most often than not, when you are praying, mostly if you speak in tongues in prayer, it gets to a point that it's as if you are speaking concerning things. And what is happening is that the spirit of prophecy has come upon you. That's when we begin to decree and declare things concerning our lives. At that point, what happens is that the spirit of prophecy has taken place. Or sometimes when you are in a meeting, a prayer meeting, then we are praying together. All of a sudden, somebody begins to speak concerning maybe our current situation. We are praying concerning Corona. Somebody can begin to speak that, oh, the Lord is saying that there shall be no damage in our, in our businesses or something of that sort. The person there may not necessarily have the gift of prophecy or the office of a prophet. But then because of the flow, because of the spiritual atmosphere around, the person is able to prophesy. And this one is available to everybody. But the gift of prophecy and the office of a prophet, as I said, there's a lot to say. But just to narrow it down, it's very important that we understand it. Because if, for example, somebody with just the gift of prophecy is able to see or is able to receive that, if you take a particular journey, maybe you are traveling to a particular country to go and do a business or to a different region to do a business, somebody with a gift of prophecy can see that there's an accident that is coming your way. So because of what he has seen, he can come and tell that brother, please don't take the journey you are supposed to go and take because I'm seeing that there's going to be a road accident. But then somebody in the office of a prophet can tell you that you can take the journey. Not that the accident has not been planned to happen, no. But because in his capacity as a prophet, he has the authority through the prophetic word and the prophetic unction over his life to speak deliverance or to clear the way for you. So if maybe you have a serious trip to go and take, somebody will tell you that, brother, don't take this trip because I see that an accident is coming. But somebody in the office of a prophet can tell you that, take the trip. And by the release of the prophetic word, it's able to seize or halt every activity of the enemy against your life. That is why I said that the person giving the prophecy, it is really important that we pay attention to these things so that we will know how we should regulate, how we flow with this prophecy. But as I said, there's a lot to say about it, but this is just something to whet your appetite. And there's a lot about the prophetic and the prophets and their dealings. But we want to just narrow it down to our topic. And we read from Hebrews 1, it's, it's very important that we take note. The Bible is saying that in Hebrews 1, verse 1 and 2, that God spoke in some times and in different manners in the time past to our fathers. But regardless of the different times and the different methods that God chose to speak, that God chose to communicate with our fathers, it was through the prophets. So in the Old Testament, the prophets were the primary source or the primary channel by which God speaks to his people. In the Old Testament, the prophets were the primary channel by which God speaks to his people. So one of my friends were talking about the fact that in the Old Testament, the group of people that were anointed were the priests, the kings, and the prophets. And even now, it was just, I think, King David who was operating, if I should say, in all these three offices, even though he was not fully a priest. But from even the Psalms, you could see the prophetic um, declarations or the prophetic predictions 
even in a some of the Samsung David. But generally, this group or these three group of people were those who were anointed, and because of the anointing that was upon their lives, they had a particular role to play. The kings were in charge of ruling the people. The kings were in charge of the administration of his kingdom. So they were anointed to judge matters concerning their kingdom. And the priests were people who were anointed to serve as intermediates between God and the people. Now the people you are talking about, the Israelites, because in those times, the people of God were just those who belonged to the Israelites, yeah, the nation of Israelites. So the prophets were the primary channel by which God used to speak to our fathers. But the Bible is saying that the coming of Jesus brought a shift. So he's saying that God spoke to our fathers through diverse ways and by diverse means. But in these days, God doesn't necessarily, or God doesn't speak to us through prophets, but he speaks to us through his son, Jesus. And this is one of the essence of the transfiguration of Jesus. If you realize when Jesus took them, I think Peter, James, and John to the mountain, the Bible said that and Moses, and I think Elijah came, Moses representing the law and, and Elijah representing the prophet, the king. And you know, there was a bright light and you know, as usual, Peter was always the first to speak. And he said that, shall we make three comes, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah? Peter is a, is a whole, he's <laughs> into another realm. But then it's interesting that when they saw that, that, if I should say that vision, or when they saw that experience, a voice spoke. And the only thing the voice said was, this is my beloved son. Listen to him. That's all. <laughs> it's quite interesting. What God was telling us that, now we don't necessarily listen to the prophets who was, who was represented by Elijah, nor do we listen to the law which was represented by Moses. But now the person you are supposed to listen to is Jesus. And it's interesting that after the voice spoke, the Bible said that they all bowed down. That is Peter, James, and John. And when they lifted up their head, the Bible said, they see no man but Jesus. It's interesting that after the voice spoke and they all bowed down and they lifted up their heads, the next thing is that they saw no other person. They didn't see Moses again. They didn't see Elijah again. But who they saw was Jesus. So even if you didn't hear the voice, that the voice is saying that this is my son, listen to him. That is why even Jesus himself said that you search the scriptures because you think in them you find eternal life. But these very scriptures testify of me. Jesus is the centrality and the universality of all things. So the coming of Jesus brought a shift whereby now the priests are no longer our mediators between God and man. No, the priests in this era do not represent us before God. So your pastor hasn't represented you before God. No. That is why the Bible calls us a royal priesthood. And in the same chapter, it calls us a holy priesthood. Because now, because of what Jesus has come to do, we now have access to God. And if you listen to last week's episode, we read from Romans 5 verse 1, talking about the fact that now we have access by faith to God. Just as the coming of Jesus brought a shift in the role of priest so also in the life or in the role of prophets. So now prophets are no longer the, or the primary role of prophets are no longer to give or are no longer the primary channel by which God speaks to us. No. Now the primary role of prophets it is it's in Ephesians chapter 4 verse 11 to 13. So now the coming of Jesus brought a shift in the role of the priests, the kings and the prophets. But since you are focusing on prophets, I will look at them. So now the prophets are no longer the primary channel by which God 
speaks to us. If it was so, like we will not be told to judge prophets that Isaiah, Jeremiah, and the rest were given. They were not just prophecies, but they were scripture. That is why their prophecies were documented for us as scripture. But now that era has been closed. So no prophet can give a prophecy that qualifies to the scripture. In 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 19, the Bible tells us that let two or three, I think we should read it. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 29 says that let the prophet speak two or three and let the other judge. If their word was dafir the Lord as it was in the Old Testament, there will be no room for us to judge prophecy. I don't know if, 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 if you are getting what I'm trying to say. But because now their primary role is no longer to be channels by which God speaks to us, but their primary role, as I said, is in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 to verse 13. That gives us now the primary roles of the prophet. We can now judge prophecies. If it were in the Old Testament, we would have the audacity to judge prophecies. Because as I said, what they were even saying was not just prophecies, just for the sake of prophecies, but even their prophecies were scripture. And we don't have the right to judge scripture. So if Paul is telling us to judge prophecies, it's just also drawing our minds to the fact that these prophets have a slew role because now God speaks primarily through them. But now God speaks primarily through Jesus, through the word of God, through the Logos, through the Graphe, and through the Rhema. Now, having said this, it's important that we know from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 20 and 21, Paul is not teaching here, and he says that do not despise prophecies. Do not despise prophecies because, and as subsequently, as we continue, I said, you will know why. Because sometimes, I know many people have said that I've received so many prophecies concerning my life. Some said I'll marry a man of God, but now I'm married to an engineer. Some say God will bless me with I will receive miracle money, but the miracle money didn't come. Some said my mother will be delivered from the hospital bed, but my mom is still there. So many prophecies have been released, and it seems like most of them are not being fulfilled. So Paul is saying, I don't despise prophecies. But the verse 21 says that prove all things, prove all things, including the prophecies. That's why I said that if these prophecies were that says the Lord kind of prophecies, we wouldn't have the right to prove them, or we wouldn't have the right to judge the prophecies. Now, let me just keep this in. The Bible says in the First Corinthians 14, 29, that we are supposed to judge the prophecies. We are not supposed to judge the prophet. I want you to take a look at the scripture. It says that the First Corinthians 14, verse 29, it says, let the prophet speak two or three, and let the other judge. What are they supposed to judge? What the prophet say? So please don't go around judging prophets. That is not your role. But are supposed to judge. We are supposed to evaluate the prophecies that they give. So now that's going to be our main focus. On how do we judge prophecies? Because even in First Thessalonians, it says prove all things. So how do we even prove prophecies? And it's as we said for dreams and visions. These prophecies should not contradict one, the graphe of God. And let me give this example. Please and please again. Never base your approach, or if I should say, never marry somebody. Let me put it that way. Never marry somebody, or never make an attempt to marry somebody solely on a prophetic word. No, no, no. Never do that. Never, let me repeat it again. Never say that because somebody gave me a prophecy that Sister Amma or Sister Isi is my wife. 
that is the only reason you are going to choose to marry Sister Esi or Sister Amma. No, no prophet has, if I should say, that privilege in your life. Secondly, as I said, judge all prophecies by the graphic. Please, if a prophet tells you that Mr. Mensa is your half is your husband and Mr. Mensa is already married, do not follow that prophecy. Because interestingly, people if I should say prophets have told people that this person, that is the person I'm talking to, is already married, is your husband or wife. So now you see people who are praying that somebody who is already married, a covenant marriage, and the person is praying that they divorce. Please, we don't do that. We don't do that. So the first thing we do in judging prophecies is one, they should not contradict the graphene. They should not contradict the graphene. Two, they should exalt the person and the message of Jesus. You know, a lot of prophets, if I should say, exalt themselves in their prophecy. Watch out for these things. As I said, don't judge the prophet. Judge the prophecy. Every prophecy should exalt Jesus in your life. Every prophecy should exalt or should, yeah, should exalt Jesus in your life and should in no way place a barrier between you and your walk with God. And if you read, I, I'm hoping that everybody takes time to read Ephesians 4, verse 11 to verse 13. If you read one of the primary roles of prophets, it wasn't just talking about prophets, but the fivefold offices, if I should say, is that they are supposed to prevent or they are supposed to make us mature. So you see that, that we will no longer be children tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. One key element of prophecy and prophets is that they are supposed to bring stability in your life and in your Christian life. You see, sometimes you can go to a gathering and a prophet will give you a word. And after that, he'll tell you that, see me privately. And when he sees you privately, he's going to tell you that, leave this church and join my church. Please, don't do that. Unless God has laid upon your heart that oh, there is a man of God I want to step under, then you can take that word of a prophet or that word of that prophet because now it's confirmed. Remember, they don't have a primary role, but now their role is secondary. So if a prophet comes to your church, you belong to a church and he gives you a prophecy, and later on he tells you that, oh, I see the call of God upon your, upon your life. So now leave your church and come and join my church. No, he's not bringing stability. So please, that is why we keep emphasizing that in being able to defend the voice of God is really personal. You must make that effort. You must get prophecies by the graphic. You must get prophecies by the rhema or the sirens God has been giving to you. So now, as I said earlier on, prophets do not, are no longer the primary channel by which God speaks to us. They are now secondary, just as in dreams or as a form of clarity to the promptings that God has been giving to you. Now, I want to just tip this in. I will say it again, but I just want to say this here. Now, let's wake up to the reality that people are. And when I mean people, I also include prophets. And it's interesting in numbers that when God was talking or when he was describing God, he said that oh, he's not a man, that he should lie. It means that life is common with men. So let's have this at the back of our mind. Life is common with men. So we should really awake ourselves to the reality that people do lie. So we would want to take two stories in the Bible and let's see how these explain to us the role of prophets in our era. 
Let's take the first one from Acts chapter 21, the verse number 10 following. Oh, before that, wow, let's, let's just read the verse 9, something interesting. It's saying that, okay, let's read the verse 8 so that it will make a bit more sense. Let me use the basic English. Acts chapter 21, let's start from the verse 8. Leaving the next day, we reached Kassira and we went at the home of Philip Evangelist, who was one of the seven. He had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. Let's take note of These daughters prophesied. The Bible didn't say they were prophets. Because in the verse 10, you see that after we had been there several days, a prophet named Agabus. So now let's look at the difference. Remember we talked about the spirit of prophecy, the gift of prophecy, and the office of the prophet. So from the verse 9, it says that Philip the evangelist had four daughters who prophesied. The Bible never said they were prophets. They had the gift of prophecy. So it seems that he had four daughters who prophesied. But the verse 10, the next verse, after we have been there several days, a prophet named Agabu. Now here comes one who was in the office of the prophet. So those we call prophets, we call Agabus because he was in the office of a prophet. And if you read, I think Acts chapter 10, he gave a prophecy about a famine that was coming. But that's not our focus. Now let's look at what happened. He came to another verse 11. Coming over to us, he took Paul's belt, bound his feet and hands, and said, listen to what he said, the Holy Spirit says, our prophet, see, he's somebody who is in the office of a prophet, and look at the authority by which he's speaking. He's saying that the Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jews of Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and hand it over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people pleaded with Paul not to go to Jerusalem. Oh, and brother Paul. Listen to what Paul says. Then Paul answered, Why are you breaking my heart? I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem. Oh, I wish you could say that, <laughs> that we are willing to die for the name of the Lord Jesus. And they kept persuading him that, Oh, we should not go, we should not go. But Paul was like, I am ready not just to go to Jerusalem, but to die in Jerusalem. Now look at the chapter 20. This is the chapter 21. Now let's go to the chapter 20, the verse 22. You remember what you read was 21. Now let's go back. Now Paul is the one speaking. And he said, now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what would happen to me there. I only know that in town after town, the Holy Spirit wants me that change and affliction await me, but I consider my life of no value. That is Paul for you. He's really sold out. Paul is saying that he's already compelled in the spirit, meaning that he has already been receiving promptings in the spirit, that whenever or wherever he goes, there will be people willing to kill him. So when in chapter 21, the prophet Agabus came to tell him the word, it was not news to Paul. And this is what I want to emphasize, that Paul already knew, I, I think let me just read that same verse in the King James. You no, know, King James has a particular, if I should say, um, tonation to it. Acts chapter 20, the verse 20. Go, I go bound in the spirit, not knowing the things that shall befall him. Save that the Holy Ghost is witnessing in every city that bounds and afflictions awaiting me. So what Paul is saying that there is a, a burden in the spirit that he's supposed to go and preach. Even though the Spirit is telling him that Charlie, there is trouble waiting for you. So in the chapter 21, the verse 11, when the prophet came to tell him, 
it was not used to be. So Paul was, and this is what I want to emphasize, every prophecy should not be independent of the promptings of God in your spirit. And again, I must emphasize, this is why it's important that you as an individual should know how to hear from God yourself. You should be able to receive promptings in the spirit. That is why, and that is the basis, or that's one of the ways by which we would judge prophecy. So for example, God has already made upon your heart that you would marry a businessman. And now a prophet comes to tell you that you marry a man of God. What are you supposed to do? Sister, go with your inner witness. And you will see why we read a very interesting scripture in First Kings chapter 13. It's very interesting. I think we should just go there. First Kings chapter 13. When I saw, when I read this scripture, I was like, wow, wow, wow. It was this scripture, that's what prompted me to come up with this thing that people like. First Kings 13. I would really plead with everybody that we go back and read the whole chapter. It's a very nice story. The whole chapter is a very nice story. But we just want to start with the verse 11. And I really wish that you all pay attention to this. Ideally, you're supposed to read the whole chapter to get the whole story back from the verse. Let me carry my point. Now, it says, Now, a certain old prophet, if you read the preceding verse, you would understand, old prophet was living in Bethel. And his sons came and told him all the deeds of the man of God. They also told their father the words that the man had spoken. So there was a young man of God. Other version says a young prophet. He came to Bethel and came to do some wonderful work. God had told him to do some things. And God gave me a particular instruction. You will see the instruction as God was going back where he came from. The Bible says that there was an old prophet who was living in Bethel. And his sons came to tell him that there is a new man of God in town. And he has just done some wonders. Verse 14. And went after the man of God. He found him sitting and asked, Are you the man of God who came from Judah? I am, he replied. So the prophet said to the man of God, Come home. <laughs> Come home with me and eat some bread. But the man replied, I cannot return with you or eat bread or drink water with you in this place. Listen, the verse 17. For I have been told by the word of the Lord, Oh, you must not eat bread or drink water there or return by the way you came. The verse 18. Then the prophet replied, I too am a prophet like you. Oh, this old prophet. He says, I too am a prophet of you. And see what he said. An angel spoke to me. <laughs> Mercy. An angel spoke to me by the word of the Lord, saying, Bring him back to you to your house, so that he may eat bread and drink water. The old prophet was lying. Now, because we are reading the story, or because we are reading the Bible, we are privy to the fact that the old prophet was lying. But let's keep reading. Verse 19. But the man of God went back with him, ate bread in his house, and drank water. Oh, verse 20. While they were sitting at the table, the word of the Lord came to the prophet who had brought him back. That means the old prophet. And the prophet cried out to the man of God, that is to the young prophet. This is what the Lord says, because you have defied the word of the Lord and have not kept the commandment that the Lord gave you, but you went back and ate bread and drank water in the place where he told you not to do so. Listen to what he says. <laughs> your body shall never reach the tomb of your father. And after they had finished eating and drinking, the old prophet who had brought him back saddled the donkey for him. And as he went on his way, a lion met him on the road and killed him. Now, I, I, I don't know if you got the story, but this is what happened. God told this young man that when you go and do this one day, make sure you do not eat or drink there. And make sure you do not use the same road you came back. Now, 
he was going back and he sat under a tree because he was tired and I assume he was thirsty and nervous. Now, this old prophet who has been told by his sons that a latest man of God has come into town, this man took a donkey and went to the prophet and asked him that, oh, prophet, come home and come and eat and drink with me. And the young man said that, the Lord told me not to eat or drink or come back by this way. And the old prophet said that, me too, I'm a man of God. <laughs> People lie. See that? People lie. Now, this old prophet is saying that, ah, you're not the only man of God. Me too, I'm a man of God. In fact, me, I'm anointed. I am older than you. In fact, I've been in the ministry for 40 years. I've been operating under this prophetic unction for 30 years. So, I'm more experienced than you. And listen to his choice of words. An angel told me. The young prophet said, the word of the Lord told me that do not eat or drink or return by the same way. Now, this old prophet is saying, me too, I'm a prophet, so. But he said, an angel told me. And it's interesting that this prophet, as the older one, was lying. But this same lying prophet, as they were eating and drinking, now the Spirit of God has come upon him. And the Spirit of God came to prophesy to the younger prophet that because you have disobeyed me, you will not reach the tomb of your father. I really wish we could get time ourselves and read. Sweetheart, the primary person you should listen to is that inner voice. It's the Holy Spirit. That is why Romans tells us, as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. We don't lead, we do not build our lives on prophecies. We do not build our lives on prophets. We do not take decisions on prophecies. We take decisions based on the promptings in your heart. So as I said, if God, or if you have been, if you have received something, you are supposed to marry a businessman, and the prophet of God comes to tell you you are supposed to marry a man of God, please don't marry the businessman. I'm emphasizing this. Because so many people have destroyed their lives because of prophets. Because they are lazy to the, or the laziness has prevented them from paying the price of developing their relationship with God. Therefore, they are not able to hear from God. People have now made prophets into sorcerers. Hey, prophet, what is my future? You are not supposed to do that. So now people go, prophet, what is God saying concerning my life? Prophet, who am I supposed to marry? Prophet, where am I supposed to work? Prophet, um, which car am I supposed to buy? Prophet, which church am I supposed to belong to? Prophet, where is God taking me in the next 20 years? You are not supposed to do that. Stop making prophets sorcerers. And you know, sometimes prophets succumb to the pressures of people. Because every day I come, what is God saying? God is not saying anything. But sometimes you have to say something. Other than that, it's as if your prophetic swag, if I should say, has reduced. And as I said, people lie. Even this old prophet was lying. So please, stop chasing after prophecies. Now, let's read Jeremiah 31 verse 34. Then we read the same thing in Hebrews, but let's read Jeremiah first. It says, No longer would each man teach his neighbor or his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they would all know me from the least to the greatest, declares the Lord. Before I give my commentary, that's Jeremiah 31, verse 34. Now let's go to Hebrews 8, verse 11. The same thing is said there. Hebrews 8, the verse 11. It says that, no longer would each other teach his neighbor or his brother, saying, Know the Lord, because they would all know me from the least. I like this thing. That means from the person who gives his life to Christ today, to the person who has been born again for 100 years, they would all know the Lord for themselves. Oh, God, who in sundering times and in diverse manners spoke to our fathers by the prophets. 
but it's in these last days speaking to us by his son. I would like to pause there and open up for any question or contribution before we take our closing remark then we pray. I would like to share a short a short story. When I was in first year with my roommate, one day two men came to our room and they shared the word of God with us. We were really blessed by the word of God. Besides, and he shared on something I had learned. So I really enjoyed the message. And one of them started prophesying after the message he prayed and then so he started with my roommates. He said You'll be a healing minister. Your people will look at your posts on the wall and then they'll have healing. People will do this. And then he went to my other roommates. You'll build an orphanage. You'll not even need your school certificate. She's a pharmacy student. And he came to me and he said that you'll be a very great musician. When he said that, I looked at him in a weird way. I have a very weird way of looking at my friends. When they speak and I feel they are lying. So I looked at him in a very weird way because when my friends listen to the way I speak my voice, they're even able to tell that I can't sing. So when he said, you'd be a great musician, I looked at him and I was like, no. And when he saw my reaction, he started that God will bless you, be a good musician. You go into um, governance, you be a minister. I looked at him in a weird way and I said, no. Then it's like, I blessed out, no, this one is not true. So even my roommates were looking at me in a weird way, but I wasn't a very strong Christian there, but it's like, it was totally different from what like, God had laid upon my heart. Perhaps if he had said, let's say, something about children, because I like children, I would have said maybe yes, but I, I, I just knew that what he was saying wasn't true. So I ignored what he said. And I don't know they were even leaving, they were looking some way but then I knew that it wasn't right because I can't sing not that I'm demeaning the ability of God to help me sing but I, I can't really sing thank you thank you do not despise prophecy but prove all things any question or contribution okay um how can we judge that somebody is indeed a prophet of God a person has been ordained to stand in the office of Mainly from scripture. How do we know if yeah, it's truly yeah, a prophet from God? Oh, okay, okay. Well, as I said earlier on, that our duty is not to judge the people, but is to judge the prophecy. And God willing, when you are looking at maybe you're under the topic of spiritual gifts, you would look into prophets and all those things. But primarily, primarily, as in Matthew 7, verse 20. By your fruit, you shall know them. He was talking, I think, let's read it. Matthew 7, verse 20. Let's read what he was talking about before he made that statement. Matthew 7, verse 20. He was talking about, wow, let's read it. It it answers the question directly. Matthew 7, let's start from the verse 15. It says that, beware of false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are wolves. Let's just skip to the verse 20. How will you know who a false prophet is? So then, by their fruit, you shall know them. By the end result, you shall know them. There's a lot that goes into getting somebody's fruit. And now when I would like to reserve that one when we are doing prophets or prophecies or the gift of prophecy, when you look at all these things. But primarily, you can look at, I know it's it be quite challenging looking at our era, but one way you can really tell somebody is by how they speak. As I said, as the person is ministering, pay 
peculiar attention. Who is the person exalting? Is the person exalting himself? Is the person exalting his guest? Or the person is exalting Jesus? You get it? Because sometimes you might not be privy to the person's personal life. So who this person really is? You get it? But as we look, or when God permits, and we look about prophets, when we dive into all these things, we critically look. But for Matthew 7, you know the verse 15 says that false prophets will come. And Jesus tells us, so we can take our time to read Matthew 7 from verse 15 downwards, and we'll see all the things you have to say. But the main focus is that by their fruits, you shall know them. But if it's maybe you are just in a service, how would you know? Sometimes look at the way they speak. And whenever you're in administration, be attentive to the promptings in your spirit. Because sometimes you can be in administration and you be prompted to leave the meeting. Please don't take it for granted, leave. I know sometimes we want to, we don't want to be like offend people or anything. But that is why I keep emphasizing that your personal work with God is very important. It makes you easily receptive. Remember when we talk about the graphy, he said that if you are passive in the knowledge of the graphy, your spirit man is outside the zone of, or outside the zone to hear from the voice of God. So it's important that we put all these things in place. So how do we judge prophets by their fruit? Just to answer your question in, 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 in simple terms. Now, just for the sake of emphasis, please do not marry somebody just because a prophet told you. Or just because somebody came to tell her, I saw in a dream that you are my sister A. Number two, do not turn prophets into sorcerers. Do not go and ask them, what is God saying concerning my life in the next 10 years, 5 years? Where am I? Mind? Where am I saying? That is not their job. Stop making prophets sorcerers. Number three, do not despise prophecies. Don't despise them. Never despise prophecies. Nevertheless, prove or judge these prophecies by the graphene by the inner witness and for purpose of our discussion by the Rima, by their speech, who they exalt. It's very important. We want to pray shortly. We want to take our scripture that we pray on from Hebrews chapter 12. That is the verse 6. We can read from the verse 4 to the verse 9. But just the verse 6. The Bible says, For who the Lord disciplines, he loves, and he chastises every son he receives. One way to know that God loves you is when the Lord disciplines you, is when the Lord rebukes you. We want to pray to God that, okay, before we even pray, let's, let's also take a scripture from Proverbs 29. Proverbs 29 verse 1. I'm using a different version. He that being approved hardens his heart, suddenly becomes destroyed without remedy. You see, many a times God keeps reproving us, God keeps disciplining us, and in Hebrews, it tells us that, one way by which you know that the Lord loves you is by the fact that He disciplines you, is by the fact that He corrects you, is by the fact that He reproves you. But many a time the Lord keeps disciplining us and rebuking us concerning the same things. Yes, so we keep doing it and keep doing it and keep doing it. And the Bible is saying that anybody who comes stiff neck destroyed beyond recovery. We want to pray to God that we would have a heart that is as soft. That God would take away every stony heart of us. That God would never be silent concerning your life. It's what is one of the most deadliest things to ever happen in your life. When God doesn't speak in our local palace, you say God doesn't talk to your matter again. It's like God is silent over your life. Whenever you do anything, God doesn't reprove you anymore. It means that God in quotes no longer loves you. 
because in Hebrews 12 it tells us that God disciplined everyone whom he loved. But some of us we have made choices. We are like Balaam. That God has told us, do not go and prophesy. But because of the state of our heart, we are still going to prophesy. We may not be fortunate to get a donkey to tell us not to go. But we want to pray to God that we will have a heart, a heart, a heart that is receptive to your word. Because the Bible says that in Psalms, that is not often that you desire, but a contrite and a broken heart. Father, may you never be silent concerning our lives. Father, may we be malleable before you. Father, may you continually discipline us. May we continually lead you to your discipline. Father, never give up on us. Father, never let us go. Never allow us to become sickness. Father, give us a heart that is receptive to you. In the name of our Lord Jesus, may you never be silent concerning our life. Continually discipline us and continually rebuke us. God bless you and we hope that you will never build your life on purpose. Do not despise them, but judge them using the graffiti and the rima. God bless you and we hope that gradually we are getting to the end of our study. We have about two more episodes and I believe it has been a blessing. Feel free to ask questions, to share your testimonies and to give comments on our discussion. God bless you and see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye.